I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, hello there, and you join us here today to ask the question, has the integrated sports watch craze finally ended? If you're looking for an integrated sports watch or any other watch to buy or sell, check out watchfinder.com. Well, as the ongoing turmoil has built to new heights between Tom and myself, I've decided to be the bigger person and bring in a counsellor to help us see our differences. Max from Watch Crunch. How Hello. are you crunching? <laughs> I'm, I'm very crunchy today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Um, <laughs> you've been you've been a, a watch crunch lead figurehead type person for a while. What's happening over in Crunchland? Yeah, I would like to say I'm the I'm the dictator of Watch Crunch, and uh, <laughs> and we're running a great authoritarian regime there. Um, no, things are going well at Watch Crunch. We um, we launched the app recently. And we've had a lot of new users. And if you don't know about WatchCrunch, this is a, you know, we just got tired of using forums, old school kind of web-based things. And we decided to develop a new platform for talking watches that is suitable for the century that we live in. So um, if you check out the interface, it's just much more usable. And the community that we've built is surprisingly friendly and, uh, and they don't uh, have a lot of hate. So that's what I love about it. Well, if you're not familiar with Watch Crunch, go click the links, crunch the watches, download the apps, and have a, a rollicking good time talking about watches. Right, speaking of talking about watches, do you remember around the 1970s when the Swiss watch industry all went to crap? Well, considering I was um, not even an embryo, I don't, but I've read plenty about it. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it sounded like a pretty scary time. It was indeed, yeah. Um, the, the Swiss watch industry needed to find something new to do with its skill set of making mechanical watches. When all of those fancy Japanese quartz watches were taking over, the AP Royal Oak, we understand to be the first of that generation of the new sports stainless steel luxury watch. But there was an integrated sports watch, just a little bit ahead of that, the Rolex uh, 5100 quartz um, Max, we were just talking about it beforehand. It's a little bit of a beast, isn't it? But it's quite different. It's probably the first time that Rolex was ahead of the game. But <laughs> um, it's, it's it's got sort of used car salesmen written all over it. But I guess that it was has. fitting for the time. Tom, if you were a watchmaker in the 1970s, uh, do you think angular integrated watches would have been where you would have taken it? Yes. <laughs> Seems like a safe bet. I mean, it's interesting because I think 
there are certain integrated watches that look more 70s than others. I don't think it's necessarily that, um, you know, there are a lot of watch brands with that have like their usual lineup and then like a DeLorean. It's not like like that <laughs> if you were to think of it in car terms. <laughs> I just think it's just it's just another yeah. kind of design motif, isn't it? It's not necessarily brutalist 70s kind of architecture embodied in a watch. But yeah, there is there is does seem to be a link between integratedness and 70sness, but I don't think that's always the case. But um it's a good move and it's almost evergreen at this point, isn't it? Are we gonna ever see an end of it? Well, who knows? Who knows? So the 1970s, they came and went and that watch shape came and went. And I remember a time about 10 years ago when everyone looked at the Nautilus, looked at the Royal Oak and went, ugh, gross. Mm. The Royal Oak and the Nautilus, we, we both know, have since come back. And they have come back in a big, big way. With a massive vengeance. Max, are you familiar with why this has even happened? Um, the only thing that I can... Uh, Design-wise, I feel like, and I made this analogy in, in a recent video about the IWC Ingenieur, which is there is a um, confidence and almost arrogance about the design of integrated bracelet watches, right? I, you can imagine the designer saying, um, I'm going to design every last detail on this watch, including the bracelet, and I don't want you to touch it with your filthy hands. Right. Um, and it's it's I drew the corollary to, um, you know, famous architects who uh, who designed houses and then built the furniture inside the houses like Frank Lloyd Wright. And there's a you got to have some, you know, machismo, some some kind of self, uh, you know, aggrandizing to to be able to to pull that off. So um, so I, I, I like that idea. It, the whole piece as one unit of design of art, uh, but it, it is certainly very confident. So you're a curtains match the drapes kind of guy when it comes to watches. That you, you believe that is optimal. It's just IKEA everything. <laughs> well, I guess I guess we we never really defined what exactly is an integrated bracelet watch, right? Because there's mm. there's there's many things I feel like that kind of tread that line in the middle. I mean, it, I used to think, oh, it's watches where you just simply cannot remove the bracelet, which is not the case. And it mm. seems like maybe we're talking about watches where the bracelet kind of seamlessly blends into the case profile. Um, you know, it, to, to me, there's a it's a little blurred. I think any bracelet can be removed if you try hard enough. Um, it's really just a matter of persistence. <laughs> but yeah. If we look around the market today and uh, we look at things like the Piaget Polo, that might be considered part of the collective of premium integrated watches. But that has quite ordinary lugs and a strap. That has no seamlessness between strap or case. Um, what interests me, actually, is there's a couple of pieces that I, I remember before this era of the craze. The IWC Ingenieur Mission Earth, which had the... Uh, Gerald Genta-esque integrated shape, if you like, uh, the holes in the bezel, all of that, and the Tudor North flag. Now, neither of those watches were particularly popular, but they were 2012 and 2015, so, so close to being popular. What do you think marked the difference between that style being uninteresting to most people and suddenly becoming the hot thing, Max? Well, 
I feel like the North Flag was a cult classic, right? It was it was sort of before its time, and then people sort of turned around and realized what they missed, and then tried to pick one up on the on the used market. And and the thing is, you know, people who wear the North Flag are exclusively watch people, right? Um, like you're, you're not going to find some Joe Schmo accidentally wearing a North Flag, and. And I think it's it's one of those watches that um, really kind of gained a following afterwards. And when somebody talks about the North Flag, they talk about it passionately. It's it's not you know has a bit of a marmite effect. I think the North Flag's really interesting because I I think it's one of Tudor's best looking watches, and I don't know why it flopped as it did. Um, I think part of that is because I think. Tudor's lugs I find really unappealing that sounds a bit weird but I think lugs almost feel like a bit of an afterthought anyway like it's just like right we need something to keep the bracelet on so let's just extrude a couple of pointy bits and then the bracelet and they're often kind of unfinished and they just look a little bit kind of blunt and flat and uninteresting but the north flag it it feels almost sleek in that in its design and i think that's quite exciting um so it seems a shame that it flopped but i think i think you can look at watches as being like characters in a soap opera like they haven't killed it off it's just gone on holiday and it will come back to rapturous applause at some point in the in the next series yes (laughs) if the return of the tudor ranger is anything to go by they'll bring back the north flag um so I, I, I have a, a theory that we follow trends in the auction houses and those auction house trends follow just a certain timeline. At a point where watches get to a certain age, collectors move on from the last lot of things they all bought up and move on to the next. And we saw collectors buying up the sports watches of the 50s and 60s, Submariners, Daytoners, and they moved into the 70s. So the uh, Nautilus and... Royal Oak, uh, early, early serial numbers, A serials were being picked up. And I, I think that's probably sparked an interest in the broader community to start buying them new. And of course, the Royal Oak and Nautilus very quickly became unobtainium. Um, but we also have things like the Overseas and the 222. I think the 222 is probably one of the nicest looking watches on the market. Max, what's your take on how the 222 and the Overseas sit together? I will comment on the 222. I feel like there are some celebrities that really get it, right? Um, I think Brad Pitt has a couple of them. Yes, Mr. Pitt. Breitling ambassador, Brad Pitt, yeah. Yeah. Um, And the the bracelet design, I think it might be the most attractive of them all to me. It it, it almost looks like serpentine in a way Um, Mm -hmm. and and just so kind of thin and and conforming. So, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really dig the 222. The overseas has always been a bit, I don't know, unwieldy for me, maybe because I don't have a a big wrist. Um, it's, it just feels kind of sharp and jaggedy. Like there's a lot of like unnecessary, um, triangles and, and, and octagons and stuff. Tom, you've tried on, uh, you've certainly experienced many, uh, the Royal Oak, the Nautilus, and the 222. And I think the 222 was the first moment I saw you actually like a watch <laughs> of your own accord. Do you remember Do you remember that special <laughs> moment? I do. And I think I think it, if integrated cases are done right, they, I 
feel like there is a um, like that that tapering from case to bracelet can be very um, wearable, like hugely wearable. And I think that's what the two 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 is. It's just something about it. It just sits quite right. It's almost like ergonomic. But and I, but I think there are different in that in that regard. I think there are different layers of integratedness. And I think if done really well, I think it looks really sleek. And yeah, like serpentine, I think that's a really good way of putting it. it. Just it's just one piece. That's I think that's the the high watermark that you can achieve with an integrated watch. Almost like the Moser, the um, the those Moser bracelets. They they're like it's like a snake when you play with them. Yeah, the um, the the streamliner, and we we've seen with with the hype from the Royal Oak and the Nautilus, we've seen other brands jump on board to uh to, to meet and sometimes even exceed what we expect of an integrated bracelet but before we talk about those max you touched upon something earlier that i think we need to clarify what do you think are the defining factors of an integrated stainless steel type sports watch more than just the bracelet but the the overall look and feel of such a thing well i think with a more like a wider definition um just I think you look at the transition between the case and the bracelet and and if you sort of run your fingers let's say like if somebody blindfolded you I feel like you should be able to tell that you're holding an integrated bracelet watch to me how it's connected whether it's a pin or a spring bar or whatnot you know that that seems to be more semantics is it like from across the room does it look like the it's one piece um and uh yeah, that's. I, I think. I think at this point, that's probably a more apropos definition of it. I don't. I think. I think it's worth throwing into that mix as well. The idea of the watch being form before function too, because if if you took something like the Tudor Royal, which has a blended bracelet, it still feels like a very functional watch, based very similarly on the on the Oyster Quartz. But then if we talk about the Ingenieur. There's a lot of angles and facets and things that go beyond just I want to tell the time and have a bracelet that feels slickly blended into the case. Um, where where do you think? Do you think the Max the Tudor Royal still counts as part of that category, or do you think it sits outside? Not in my mind. You know, when you brought that up, um, I was I sort of did a double take because to to me that well. just kind of feels like a Tudor's Datejust, you know. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's not quite integrated enough in my mind, but the, but the Ingenieur certainly is. And, you know, the Ingenieur, I think I recently got to spend some time with a couple of them, uh, and it has that DNA of the SL from the seventies and, um, and just, they sort of changed a few of the elements to kind of make it more modern feeling, but that watch, I think, was kind of a even split between the Nautilus and the Royal Oak, right? It wasn't quite as angular as the Royal Oak, but it wasn't quite as sort of dainty and, you know, flowing as the Nautilus. Um, and, you know, I don't know if we need to talk about the price, but that seems to be the only <laughs> thing that people are interested in in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure, I would chuck in another definition of these integrated sports watches that typically they are priced higher than you would expect. If we rewind back to the original 1972 Royal Oak, it was deliberately priced as much as a complicated 
gold watch purely to show, look at this shape. If you have that, you've paid for the look rather than for the functionality of it. So by that stretch, the IWC Max is following in the right footsteps. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's two arguments here, because if you look at the original Royal Oak price, I think in today's dollars, it's still like 8000 maybe not even $9,000. And and so it, it is a bit confident for IWC to go for like twelve on that. And, you know, my kind of my gripe with that is they... Um, they sort of price it out of the hands of a lot of enthusiasts. And that's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of a shame, right? Uh, the people that really, really understood this watch and its lineage maybe didn't get to, to get to buy one. But at the same time, the, I think the other way to look at it is, I mean, look at what, you know, uh, the APs and, and the Pateks are trading at. And, and you're getting um, an integrated watch from a major manufacturer that was one of the three Genta watches for what a third of the price. So, um, so yeah, it really depends on what camp you're on. But it's a great watch. Like I took it out of the box and I was immediately impressed. And I think that's a watch that um, looks better in the hand than on, in pictures. I think there's an accountant at IWC somewhere who has put a line in the sand based on their expectation who is going <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean you think it's an arbitrary price tag but I think it's just like it they I think IWC like this looks really good. I think we need to charge more for it. I think that's how they did it. <laughs> and I think it's true what Max said, you know, it is part of that that triple triad of uh, Genta watches and that that's got to count for something, hasn't it surely? It's got it's got bezel bolts. <laughs> that's distinctly Genta, um, and that's going to cost you. I think each bezel bolt is worth at least $1,000. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works, yeah. Tom, um, it's not all been about the expensive integrated watches, regardless of whether or not the original was incredibly expensive. There have been a bunch of affordable alternatives too, and I know these um, tickle your pickle especially. What are some of those that have really grabbed your attention and uh, drawn you into the integrated craze? Um, yeah, well, the uh, Timex Q reissue Timex um, is a really nice one. Again, that is one of the ones that feels 70s. <laughs> I suppose 70s design is sort of famous for the grey box, isn't it? Like you've got the like brutalist architecture, like horrible big square buildings, DeLoreans and then like square watches you know but the timex is just even though it is drawing on that 70s it's really comfortable and i think i feel like there is that that kind of streamlinedness of it you, you you can't talk about the modern craze without talking about the prx oh yeah that's the one isn't it darling child of everyone with less than a thousand dollars to spend on a watch uh max it sounds like you've got a bone to pick with the prx um, yeah, that bone is stuck deeply into my larynx right now. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So first of all, if you commented in my IWC video and said, oh, I can buy 200 PRXs with that money, we're not friends because <laughs> obviously you're missing the point. So um, look, I don't have, I don't hate the PRX. I don't love the PRX. I have a paralyzing indifference to the PRX. Um, it's a watch that I think 
it's a it, it is a great kind of you know like gateway watch into this hobby and i don't fault that fault it for it but it's it's in many ways i don't think it's well executed in the in the shape of the case where it meets um you know the first link on the bracelet um it, it just gets stuck there and so it just kind of flares out so the 40 wears bigger than a 40 um the 35 is better on my wrist at least um the dial is great but they're obviously like it's a pretty blatant kind of copy of um the royal oak but then you know the hands are just like stamped flat pieces right so they kind of felt like an afterthought the markers are so skinny and when i put a macro lens on it you know the loom is sort of printed like a bit like on every marker it's slightly off kilter and so these little details i mean i understand it's 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 a less than a thousand dollar watch um but i think you yourself andrew is wearing a watch that maybe is a good argument for um an alternative to the prx yeah, absolutely. You're referring to uh, Christopher Ward's The Twelve, and I'm sure people are sick of me talking about it. But the reason why I talk about it so much is because it offers such an enormous value for money. And it really does. It's a very, very well put together watch. Lots of great... Everything the PRX doesn't have in terms of that next level of detailing, it does have. Granted, it costs a little bit more, but... It's ballpark, isn't it? It's enough to go, oh, I can comfortably get a PRX. I could stretch to the rubber bracelet, stainless steel uh, 12. Um, I suppose at this point we come to the big question. Um, I'll pose it to you first, Tom. Integrated watches. Are you sick of it? I'm not, personally. I think... I don't think it's like a craze that is as much of a groaner as like Tiffany Blue. Or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I I feel like it's yeah. just it's just another design tool that watch designers have in their yeah in their locker. You know that they can draw upon. Hey, maybe this watch might suit an integrated bracelet. I don't I don't feel like it needs to be the whole package of like a porthole dial with a waffle texture and an integrated bracelet. It's like. Like you don't need to go full Gerald Genta with it. I think an integrated bracelet never can be go an full ele- Gerald Genta. <laughs> <laughs> I think a I think uh, an integrated bracelet can be a nice, um, an elegant solution to you know like a, a watch. Um, so I, I don't think it is. I think it's a craze that is fine. But yeah, I mean, I've got a larger problem with the kind of whole seventies porthole bolt bezel waffle dial <laughs> angle than than just the integrated case on its own. Yeah, Max, what do you think? What, what's what's next for the integrated craze? Well, I think anytime there's a craze, right? There's a feeding frenzy. Um, I feel like by definition, it very quickly becomes uncool, right? I think of like <laughs> UGG, like those the uggs the shoes right yeah. um they gain popularity too fast and and at this point <laughs> as much as you like that integrated shoe design you, you don't want to get one because you realize that you're just falling into a stereotype so um so i think we let the dust settle a little bit i think for me personally you know when i think about my core collection of like 
eight, 10 watches. Um, I think there's room for an integrated design. I'm not sure which one that is going to be, but at least right now, um, you know, I'm just just gonna just gonna let the temperature cool down a little bit. And what do you think might be next in terms of what we're going to see the industry do? If if they we're seeing the affordable brands num num numbing it uh, integrated, but there's going to be something next, right? You know what I hope for um, is that I, I feel like we we briefly dabbled in the two tone but we never really like sunk our teeth into it. And I kind of hope that, that that's going to be like the next trend. I think, you know, like if we're going to go use car salesmen, let's really go use car salesmen. Right. And, um, and I just, I just can't wait until all these micro brands are launching two-tone watches. I think that'll be a glorious day. Tom hopes and dreams for the future post integrated. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Square. Square dials. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually gonna. Uh, I was actually gonna say, yeah, we're gonna lean into it harder and go full car salesman. So that's funny that um, Max and I are aligned on that. So um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm very much agreed with that. If we're moving from the 70s to the 80s and possibly the 90s, we're talking yellow gold. Also, perhaps smaller watches. The craze of quiet luxury, not showing off what you have, but it being a bit smaller and a bit thinner, but it being gold, but it, importantly, hiding under a cuff. And <laughs> perhaps, perhaps the ostentatiousness of the integrated larger watch craze and being able to see it from a distance may end up being its downfall. Who knows? I think actually... Um, um, cuffs are gonna go and with shirts are just gonna integrate straight into your mittens um so be ready for that <laughs> i'm there i'm there tom make it happen <laughs> well there you go the future of integrated as yet undecided what do you think let us know down in the comments below thank you so much max for coming along and joining us um please make sure if you're a listener to click all the links download the apps for watch crunch and you can go a crunch in with all your watch friends what's next for you max um we are actually releasing a major update to the watch crunch app um i think in the this week um and it's gonna do a lot of bug fixes and it's gonna um, really revamp some of the features and you know um I can't quite say we have like Elon Musk level kind of ambitions uh, to develop a watch super app, but I think that, you know, at some point, if you're not on crunch, are you really a watch enthusiast? Well, there you go. Watch crunch meets only fans in the new update coming up. You heard it here first. Thank you so much for watching. Please do like and subscribe and check out watchfinder.com for all your watchy needs, except for the watch crunch bit. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.